Welcome to Tattooed Freaks in Business Suits, recorded live in the kitchen of the Personal Touch Career Services in Denver, Colorado. I am your host, Donna Shannon. As a professional career coach, I help people navigate the hiring maze to get to the job they really love. In addition to working with job seekers one-on-one, I do have a book out there. You can find How to Get a Job Without Going Crazy on Amazon. Today, my guest is Ron Ben-Joseph, who is a communications and speech expert. And we are going to be diving into that whole thing, that asinine statement you hear all the time, excellent communication skills, and what does that really mean? So overall, our show's purpose is to explore and redefine the world of work, especially as Gen X, millennials, and those to come after seek positions of leadership that still allow them to be themselves. Every show, we will explore a topic related to business or job searching. And of course, we're going to talk about tattoos. Our sponsor is the Personal Touch Career Services, Denver's top-rated career coaching and resume writing service. We focus on the practical tools for your job search, such as resumes, of course, LinkedIn profiles, job search coaching, and ongoing classes. Check out our ridiculously long website, personaltouchcareerservices.com. Once again, that's personaltouchcareerservices.com, or, you know, you can just Google it. Hey, Ron, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, Don. I just, I'm such a big fan of yours. Uh, thanks. I'm glad there's one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's me. I mean, you're, you're awesome. I love this intro. It was great. <laughs> Perfect. So, Ron, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and what you do and how you help people out as a coach? Absolutely. Um, I feel like I said absolutely. <laughs> I want to say absolutely. Here I am, communication coach. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I started off uh, doing theater in Chicago um, early on, like in my early 20s, directing and producing, and, and then that evolved into a love for teaching, acting, performance, and acting coaching. And I got to a point where I was working with really great actors, but I was miserable. I was like, I want to do acting for non-actors. And so went back to graduate school and started studying how speech communication uh, can be taught and how effective it can be in terms of a communication medium, you know, so how, how businesses and how individuals can use public speaking to really get their message across in such a powerful way. Uh, and when you think about, you know, the greatest speeches of all time, right, like people moved people through speech. And so this was like a whole new world to me. I got into that, started teaching uh, at the various colleges throughout Chicago, moved out to Colorado three years ago, and have been kind of building my, my business, my stable of, of awesome clients doing public speaking as a form of marketing, sales, uh, or just education. So that's kind of my genesis into public speaking coach. Great, great, thank you. So one of the things that I get, um, I go back and forth with a lot on people is HR is always putting this phrase, excellent communication skills in the job description. And uh, let me give you a big tip for anybody who's listening out there who's looking for a job. You read a lot of stuff online that says, don't put that phrase in there because it's such a cliche that it means nothing. So why the hell do they keep putting it on there? And um, I was actually sharing some studies with you, Ron. Uh, One was a career builder study from 2014 of 2000 HR pros and managers uh, found 77% highly value these soft skills or people skills. And in particular, 56% said that they uh, effective messaging, meaning saying what you need as well as understanding other people, is uh, 56% of them wanted that. So that's where this whole excellent communication skills is coming from. 
Makes sense? Makes perfect sense. It makes sense. But, you know, I was talking about this with a buddy of mine who also teaches public speaking literally yesterday. And we're saying, like, we get it. We see the numbers. And yet, you know, it's it's not like people are running to communication skills coaches to help their employees uh, be better communicators and really be clear about a message and the delivery of that message. So it's kind of funny that these stats are out there. They ask for it in the, in the, in the job postings. And yet... I think communication is still something that people are not jumping to work on. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of us out there that do help and, and and do work with teams and such, but I still feel like it's we still have a, a bit a bit of a ways to go to really get it to be much more mainstream and more effective so that they can get that excellent communication because they're right. They're mm-hmm. totally right. Mm-hmm. Like ex- you need to be a good communicator in the workplace. I mean, you need a personal anywhere, you know, you need to be a good communicator, but uh, especially in the workplace where you're dealing with people that have different philosophies and different approaches, different backgrounds, right? Everybody needs to be able to craft a really clear message and share it, share the meaning of it. Mm-hmm. I think this is actually one of the reasons why I always encourage people to contact hiring managers directly, as well as applying through the HR department. Because, oh, all right, so when they build the job description, they go ask the manager, what do you want? And the manager rattles off all the technical things, and then they go, I really need somebody who can communicate well, meaning write an email, pick up the phone and call me, and answer a text with more than the letter K, right? And so HR has to put things in quantifiable metrics so they can computer screen people. So they're like, oh, okay, excellent communication skills. So what happens is it becomes a trick. It's a, it's a shell game with job seekers that if you don't put that literal phrase in there, excellent communication st- skills, Instead of masters in communication, <laughs> yep. <laughs> the, com- the computer reply, you know, responds to, oh, he said excellent communication skills. That means he knows he know how to speak. <laughs> so, right, because what is that? I mean, right? Yeah. If you were really an excellent communicator, you'd say something like, "I'm really good at crafting messages that are clear and people respond to them exactly the way I want them. That, that's clear communication, but if, but yeah. that's not the, in the buzzwords that they're looking for. Right. The algorithms they're looking for, yeah. Right, because computers are dumb and they only know what we tell them. So, uh, you know, HR never really hires anybody. They only cut candidates. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the tricks they use is you need this 50 to 70% match of the keywords alone in that job description. So if you're not using these throwaway terms that mean nothing – you get cut. And then the managers go, why are they writing excellent communication skills? That's so stupid when the rest of their resume is written so poorly. <laughs> that's a really interesting take, though. I mean, that's a really good philosophy. I mean, not philosophy, mm-hmm. but that's a really good thing to really take to heart is that you're right. Like, they are not hiring. They're cutting. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, the hiring managers are the ones who are looking for the people on their team. That's why when you reach out to them, you do a customized cover letter and you talk about their needs. And then they can see that you can put two sentences together that that makes sense. Yeah, you know, so like I, since we're talking about communication, so what I always bring it back to is communication by its nature is the process of creating and sharing meaning. Mm-hmm. Meaning I found is just something of value to someone else, right? So this has meaning to me. So if you think about like a, a toy that you have from childhood or some like relic from your past, you're like, that has meaning to me. Where someone else might see it as like a tchotchke, mm-hmm. right? So it's all based, just like you said, it's all based on their needs and their wants and their value system, what's important to them. That's how you create and share meaning, right? Excellent communication, That that's so vague. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, but HR must have right. simple terms within the job description to make their computerized screening process work. Good to know, but like, uh. yeah, yeah. So, not helpful. Yep, yep. There was even another article that I found. Um, this was from Inc. Magazine, and this was they were going to 200 different colleges and kind of what are the top five traits that people need to have when graduating. And communication came in as number three. Yeah. And it, it does go beyond that just kind of asinine, throwaway keyword term on the resume. At some point, you have to make sense to human beings. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So some of these other things that, you know, hiring managers specifically when they're asking for communication, what do you think is uh, something else that they might want? Or what would you suggest to somebody reaching out to a manager to prove that you have these excellent communication skills so from so communication there's two i mean there's a lot but like there's two basic things when we talk about communication we talk about verbal nonverbal, right Mm -hmm. so i've heard from a lot of recruiters that i've worked with over the years nonverbal is a big thing communicating your value as an employee as someone who can solve problems for them right so your i always talk about when i do interview prepping how to shape the story how to shape your story as an employee as it relates to their needs. So how do you how do you create this really tight, clear narrative in which you learn skills and techniques that will solve exactly their problems, right? Mm-hmm. So not talking about anything that's superfluous or has nothing to do with their needs, but things like that, right? Wrapping it together. So I think like showing up on time is a communicate is part of communication. Mm. I think a lot of mm-hmm. recruiters have said you know, I, I had a great phone call with this person. Then they just stiffed me. They didn't show up. Oh, so, yeah, that's the worst. I hate that. That's painful, right? And yeah. And it's like, uh, who does that? Like, without a call, without a text? Like, we have so many ways of getting a hold of someone nowadays, right? So I think that dressing up, I've heard I've heard so many, like, professional, like, executive, like, level positions, people showing up in jeans and just not, like, looking really schlubby, right? Not Oh, that's a Colorado thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I have to say, funny thing. I So I go to a lot of networking events, and I dress nice. I try to wear, like, you know, not a suit, but, like, I wear nice pants and a blazer, right? So people always, especially at HR events, at Sherm events, which I love Sherm. I love that organization. People come up to me, and they see me with a suit, and they think I'm, like, an executive. And they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, mm-hmm. communication skills coach, which you would think, if it's the number three thing, you think they'd be more excited. And they're like, oh. Yeah, exactly. And they walk away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I always meet like other vendors that are trying to get into these organizations. I think those, they become clients. But um, so so showing up, dressing professionally, that's a huge thing. Communicating because ninety three percent of our communication comes from nonverbal. Mm-hmm. So we we get ninety three percent of our emotions are communicated through nonverbal. So even just showing up on time, wearing professional attire, that stuff matters. Mm-hmm. Then I think literally being able to construct an idea in such a way where the person is engaged throughout so having a very clear beginning middle and end a lot of people don't have that like a lot of people just want to get the information out and and just talk about themselves at nauseum you know Mm -hmm. me 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 i did this i did this i did that Mm -hmm. when when you go okay like let's let's craft a real narrative with how did you solve a problem how does that problem relate to them so i think those are the kind of things that they from from recruiters and HR people that I've worked with or spoken to, that's what they're yearning for, and they don't articulate it. What do they say? Excellent communication. Mm-hmm. Soft skills are important. What soft skills are important? Yeah. <laughs> Be clear, right? So yeah. I think that does that answer that question? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, of course, we know different generations have different communication standards, and 
I think it's really, really easy to bust on the millennials. But hey, when I was in my 20s, it was so easy to bust on Gen X. And now, are you a Gen X or millennial? This is I'm on I'm like a I'm like a baritone in this department. <laughs> baritone? Are yeah. you Are you on the cusp? I'm 38, and I was born in 1980. So uh, it yeah. depends on which list you're on, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, I would love to hear. Do you feel like I I, I want to ask you a question? Is that do you feel like there's any parallels between? the new Luke Skywalker and Ray as it relates to millennials and Gen Xers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I definitely think so. And um, I'm trying to get you to talk about it because I, I, I love this bit. <laughs> I will. So there's something very important to understand about the communication styles between millennials and Gen X. So overall, millennials, we know from studies that, you know, 80% of them prefer digital communication and 65% of them are uncomfortable on the face-to-face side of things, right? And when you think about it well in terms of they grew up with technology, they've been Facebooking and texting people all the time. It used to be a standard joke like five, ten years ago. It's like, you see your kids are sitting there on their phones, and then one of them will laugh and look at the other and go, oh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a stereotype, but it actually happens all the time. Yeah. Whereas us Gen Xers, we grew up as latchkey children. And the whole idea now in society is horrifying that me in first and second grade, I walked home, it was about a half a mile in the neighborhood to an empty house because both of my parents were working and my older sister was had friends. I didn't. But oh. <laughs> I was a huge nerd man. Oh, no. So it's like, yeah, I had to learn my safety tips from G.I. Joe. Don't open the doors for strangers and things like this. So Gen Learning X. Learning is half the battle. That's right. Yeah. Knowing is half the knowing battle. Knowing is half the battle. See? Yeah, and now you know, and knowing is half the battle. See, this is why I'm a horrible actor. I can't remember lines. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when we grew up, it's like, we're very independent and we're used to managing our own time, getting our stuff done, working on our own goals. We don't have to have somebody holding our hand and telling us we're doing it right all along, you know? And um, if you think about it, that is kind of how Luke Skywalker had to grow up too, because by the time he's taken over the Jedi Order, everybody's dead, you know? Yoda, peace out, he evaporated into the Force. And then, of course, yeah, he's you like, know, kill your father. Yeah. And then I'm done with you. Yeah. <laughs> so you got really nothing like, yeah. at the end of that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Classic 1980s behavior. Right, yeah. right. No you know, <laughs> you know, Ben Kenobi died. He shows up as a ghost every now and then. That's kind of what yeah. our parents would do every now and then. It's like, oh, man, I screwed up at school. Oh, look, there's the ghost on You're the You're to remind me that I'm a jerk or that I messed up. Or, yeah, yeah well, one of my favorite lines is what I told you is true is from a certain point of view mm-hmm. and that's how we learn to deal with the world so yeah. uh surprisingly 51 percent of people in leadership roles now in 2018 are actually gen xers mm-hmm. so we think i'm being an excellent manager by letting you be alone you do your work the way you need to do it Check in with me every now and then, if you must. I don't really want you to bother me. I'm working. And then I want to go home. Yeah. I don't want to deal with you. I don't want to hang out. I don't want to be your friend on Facebook. But the millennials have this, I want a tight relationship. I want a mentor. I want somebody who's going to show me everything. Um, but then they don't listen anyway. <laughs> well, there was, there was an interesting article on LinkedIn uh, a couple of days ago about how um, – 
the the notion that the millennials want the work life balance mm-hmm. that's what their drive is is actually false and they it's that the like it was just unrealistic you know mm-hmm. that they had this unrealistic perception of what like of this like fuzzy happy environment where they can be freelancers while having a full time salary and benefits and mm-hmm. like all the best of both worlds and it's just not true you know it's just it's just impossible in that place and I think that a lot of them are getting gaining that knowledge now like they're getting it they're like oh yeah I can't have it all my way mm-hmm. anymore I th- I'd like to hope that they, you know that's kind of the case I've taught a lot of millennials over the years um, public speaking and the, the all that stuff that we hear about I just want to I just want to defend them is like yeah on the surface I think that's their go-to is is to be uh, disconnected you know face to face to be brilliant communicators digitally and to have these entitled expectations, right? Entitlement is the big one, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're, they're entitled to work-life balance. And if they want to work from home for seven months while they're in Peru traveling and doing hipster things, you know, that that's okay. I I think that's just like a, that's like a uh, kind of like a societal construct that they've embraced. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, on the ground floor, I think a lot of millennials are just, I don't think they're driven like that. I think they're actually really like are looking for connection they just have this other medium but i think at their core they're looking for deep connection and mm-hmm. that's a beautiful thing right like aren't we all on some level there's i think they're just really clear about it mm-hmm. yeah and that's that desire for mentorship mm-hmm. and that's why there's i've been hearing this for 10 years right that our baby boomers want to take somebody under their wing and mentor them and the millennials really like that kind of relationship because it's and then Gen X gets left out in the cold because we're not going to listen to the boomers anyways, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they were supposed to go away. We were supposed to inherit the galaxy, <laughs> but they didn't. <laughs> they, the market crashed and they never could afford to. So it's like they came back like the first order and blasted our hopes away. Or like Yoda in Last Jedi. And he's like, no, Luke, I'm going to be the one that destroys this temple. You know, he's yeah. like, no, 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 let me have the pleasure. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Classic Yoda move. Yeah, yeah. So that's all them boomers came back and it's like, what yeah. the? Yeah. And then, you know, our, the millennials are trying to approach Gen X and say, teach me what you know. And we're like, Google it, man. <laughs> You'll pay your dues. I had um, <laughs> someone approach me for a quote a, a couple of weeks ago, and I am still laughing my ass off about it because this gentleman, he was looking for coaching, and he had just graduated school, so he was 21, 22 years old, and he wanted to have a coach help him step into a company so that he could be seen as CEO material at age 25. He was that overt about it. Yes. Wow, I'm, my jaw just dropped. I know, like literally. I know, it's like literally dropped. It. Oh yeah, yeah, he was quite serious. That, people, is arrogant unless your dad is a millionaire. Right. Billionaire even. Yeah. That's wow. that's not how it works in the real world. But is that is that, you know is that indicative of the culture or do you think that's just that guy? This is what I, like I want to believe that millennials, for the most part, the, you know yes they've seen Mark Zuckerberg they've seen these you know millionaires like these these solopreneurs that, or not solopreneurs but like these entrepreneurs that have come out of nowhere out of Harvard mm-hmm. and gotten rich overnight. So I think they emulate that and they want so badly to be that and they go well I can just do that for a company mm-hmm. right which is counter to what a company really is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I think for the most part, don't you think there's a lot of them that are intelligent, that are, like, like I mean, not to diss on this guy, but, like, that, that maybe more, pro- I shouldn't say intelligent, but more practical. There's a difference between intelligence. I know, that was not the right word. And emotional intelligence. Mm. 
So he's probably got a very, very high IQ, and all his life he's been told you can do whatever you want, you have so much potential, you've got awesome grades, and stuff like this. But he doesn't have the emotional intelligence or the communication on that side to recognize when he's coming across like an arrogant prick. (laughs) (laughs) Which, as a white male myself, uh, I I would say that's something we see in a lot of white males. Let me just put that out there. I, I admit it. My biggest character defect is I'm arrogant now. That, that's why I have to work on being in tune when somebody is on being emotional or especially in the workplace because I, I'm uh, just like my dad. He's a Ph.D. in mechanical engineering. He did a lot of stuff with NASA and stuff like that. So you can imagine extremely high IQ, totally no feelings right (laughs) not in touch with feelings at all right yeah it like literally takes him 24 hours to react to something emotionally because he doesn't know what to feel my dad reacted he Mm -hmm. had one reaction with Mm -hmm. one emotion which was anger yeah (laughs) no matter what he just Mm -hmm. reacts with anger and screaming you know so i I feel that i hear that maybe that's you know that yeah Mm -hmm. that's very indicative of that so again here i am being like you know that generation right but right but that's part of the understanding the emotional intelligence and what how about, that what relates about Gen to... Y? What about Gen Y? You're leaving Gen Y out. <sighs> Gen Y is millennials. <clears throat> is it really? Yeah, it's the same thing. Oh, okay. So I'm a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> or Z-lennial. Yeah, the yeah. Zs are the next one coming up. Uh, no, but isn't that like G- Gen Z? The Gen Z are the next one. But yeah. isn't, it, isn't there another name for like a millennial on the cusp? Or it's Gen Y? I've heard it sometimes put as older millennial or young Gen X. Because there's not, one of the big definitions is there's not quite the same immersion in technology for the people who were born in the yeah. very early 80s. That's so like saying like in music, like a low tenor and a high bar- or high bass instead right. of the word baritone. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like if you think about it, your internet really started to get launched and become a thing in 95. Mm-hmm. So you would have been 15 mm-hmm. as opposed to somebody like uh, my kids mm-hmm. were born in the late 80s. So... Uh, my daughter is in, was born in 1989. So she turned 10 on 2000. She's always had the internet. Mm, yeah. That's that comparison. Do you remember when we first got the internet? It was like this slow thing. And you're like, whoa, what's going to happen? Like pages would load like oh, yeah. bit by bit. You know? I worked at the radio station then, and I would have to take phone calls from people going, how do I get to the Fox's website? And I'd be like, okay, hang in here. It's H T. T, oh, P, P yeah. colon, backslash, yep. backslash. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have Google. Yeah. You had to know the thing. Yeah, you had yeah. to know Google. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, anyways. Yeah, side note. Yeah, side note. We kind of got off track. I digress. Yeah. But, so, in working with millennials, and we know that the communication problems that come up in the workplace can often be avoided, what are some advice that you would give for millennials to increase their competency in communication? Something that I'm working on, as clearly a millennial now, embracing mm-hmm. it, I guess. Wow, oh, I feel so weird. Mm-hmm. I feel so different. Um, but no, I think I think the biggest thing is just because you, f- and this I tell everyone, is just because you feel it doesn't mean it's true. Like mm. feelings, are, um, feelings are important, and it's very important to listen to our feelings, but... I have a friend that she, she's a therapist, and she says, uh, just wait, five, like just like a train. Like five minutes, you'll get another emotion. Mm-hmm. This emotion will pass, and another emotion will, will hit the station, you know? And I think so. I think a lot of times I see workplace communication issues arise when someone is reacting, and like there was a mis- misunderstanding, a mis- uh, def- mis- uh, 
I don't know if I said this correctly, but like there's a, a um, it's like a misfire. A misfire, but it's like mm. a, there's a word I'm trying to use, which is um, there's a breakdown. Ah, yeah. Like there's a breakdown in in terms of how someone has shared the meaning. So if I said, um, oh, I like your shirt, and you thought I said, oh, I like your shirt. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Things like that, then we go, whoa, 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 whoa. You know what? Or, or we don't say anything, and we walk away, and we let that stew, and the emotions come. And then later, can you put that report on my desk? I asked you 10 times to put that report on my desk, right? Mm-hmm. We get this, like, inflammatory experience where people are freaking out, right? So I think, like, I think the key is to be in touch with your emotion, but then let that pass and go, okay, what's the root of what I'm really wanting from this other person. If it's a matter of, I want them to give me this report or I want them to help me with this project or whatever, I, be really clear about what it is that you want from the other person. Mm-hmm. And then the means about going about, the, the, sorry, the way to go about getting it is purely using language that they understand. So being sensitive to their value system, being sensitive to what they're interested in, what they want. If, if, if they're not time, like they're not one of those people that's like time sensitive, then going, yo, I needed this by three o'clock today. Mm-hmm. That's not, that doesn't resonate. Why waste your time? Do you want to get what you want or do you want to be right? Mm-hmm. Right? Because you'll never be right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if when dealing with people, you're never right. It's the way to get what you want is to be really clear about what the processing or how they process information. Put information in front of them that they can easily process and, and then re- and act on. So if they are not time sensitive people, what kind of people are they? Are they, you know, what, like, what, like, um, and what do you find in the workplace? Like, what are the different kinds of ways that people, like, motivations that people have in the workplace? And that's an excellent point. Because it, sometimes you can predict it based on the type of roles that they're in. Because it's like, obviously, salesmen are motivated by money. Mm-hmm. If you would not hire a salesman who was not motivated by money. Right. Because um, we want them to go out and win deals and all the rest of that. But some of the other ones are a little bit more difficult to pinpoint. Right. Such as someone in a supportive role just wants to be appreciated. So I'd really appreciate it if, oh, you mm-hmm. know it would be amazing? If we could get this, is there any way, like question form, no pressure, but mm-hmm. is there any way to get this by 3 o'clock today? I would love that. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Right? Voice that appreciation if that's what they're into. Mm-hmm. Um, appreciation goes a lot. I think, I think millennials bringing it back like want to be appreciated yeah because that's what they're used to that was their love language mm-hmm. so appreciation is huge right so finding gifts that you can give people to motivate them is much more important than reacting and just kind of breaking the whole communication cycle mm-hmm. which the communication cycle is is having a very clear message using channels to 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 move that message back and forth and ultimately getting feedback mm-hmm. right feedback is the final part so within that i think it's hard to get the feedback you want if you're not using channels that they can that are comfortable or conducive to their process. Does that make sense? Yeah. I yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm being too technical, but yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes I'm, I am not good at holding hands of employees. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, I actually worked for this company once, and it, they skewed younger, and I was put in a, a leadership role there. And... The company I was coming from, we were very fast-paced and very email-driven. So it's like you would get an email string and you would just write your answer, right? So you'd have the conversation going back and forth in email, no big deal. But this other company, when I came in, um, they pulled me aside and talked to me because they thought I was very rude in my emails 
because I did not say, hi, Jim, at the top of every email. It's like, okay, I've just been switching five emails back and forth with Jim. I don't need right. to say, hi, Jim, every time, you know? <laughs> yeah. We're already, why keep adding clutter was the way I saw things. But, but nope. That was, their, that was their process, right? Or that was right. Their- that was their, like, their standards of we are a friendly team-oriented, everybody's watching everybody's back kind of deal, and me and the Grumpy Luke. <laughs> it's all like, <laughs> I gave you an answer. What do you want? You know. A few years ago, um, I don't remember, what, like maybe eight years ago, a friend of mine, are you sitting down? A friend of mine wrote, and I, I mean this with utmost respect, mm-hmm. a friend of mine wrote and directed 9-11 Report the Musical. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool, actually. It, was, it, was, it, was, it wasn't just like a cheesy music. It was like essentially a really cool play with dance and music that expressed how people felt. And it was very well researched. And it was, it was really kind of a cool experience. Um, and afterwards, she, I remember my friend told me about this, that they had a talk back with a professor from Northwestern University. And the, people were asking, how do we prevent 9-11 from happening again? And I love the story. I talk about this in all my classes. The the professor thought about it and he goes, learn their language. Mm-hmm. And that to me, when you learn their language, again, their language is like a symbol of meanings. Again, bringing it back to meanings, right? Mm-hmm. So the notion of, hey, Jim, that meant something to them. That's part of their culture. That's that's That was a requirement for them. That They valued mm-hmm. that, right? You learned their language. You go, okay, they require this to to receive information better. All right, so I have to do it. Like, there's no way around it, right? If yeah. my goal or, is to, or you check out. <laughs> I didn't last there very long. <laughs> or you check out, right? If it's yeah. right, and that's it, that's not conducive. So I, I by no means mean to say that like, uh, be inauthentic, right? Mm-hmm. Or manipulative. So I've had I've had I've had people when I give presentations, they go, not people, just one person. I remember her. Mm-hmm. She's like, she's like, are you being manipulative right now? And I'm like, well. I like to think of it as being effective, but, mm-hmm. but you know, I don't want you to ever feel like you're being manipulative, but it's just, to me, it's just, it cuts through the chatter or the clutter rather. It cuts through the clutter. Just get to the point. Like if, if I want to get to the point, I don't want to, you know, I know a lot of people feel like heroes sometimes when they, when they just say, can you just do this now? Mm-hmm. What? I got to the point. You don't want me to be direct. Well, if the person can't handle it and they want appreciation more than being told what to do, that's not, you're not getting to the point. You're making things worse. If mm-hmm. you can get to the point by, by the point being the way they receive information and learning their language, their love language, their respect, their appreciation, their value language, it does get things, it get things going much faster. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. But some people do need to toughen up a little bit. <laughs> man, I'm I'm guilty of that myself, man. I need to toughen. I agree. Yeah. I get, yeah, I mean, I get super sensitive and. Mm-hmm. reactive and so so i yeah. get it yeah all right so uh we're getting to my favorite part of the show where we get to talk about the tattoo of the day so ron why don't you tell me about one of your tattoos well i am embarrassed i only have one right now uh-huh. um this has been a long journey i've been sitting for since 2014 just envisioning and exploring possibilities of what i want next i want i know that i want um something on my back and something on my arm uh, on the inside of my arm. But uh, for right now, I have one tattoo, which I'm very proud of. It's the greatest thing I've ever done for myself. Um, and it's a Superman symbol tattoo on my right arm. 
and it's it's just perfect size, like mm-hmm. medium size, covers a lot of my arm, and it's just it just every time I see it, it makes me so happy. My daughter's three, she loves it. Mm-hmm. She says she wants a Wonder Woman tattoo, which I think is great when she's older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta wait. Yeah, you gotta yeah. wait until you're like eighteen, twenty, just to make sure it sticks. You know, and that's mm-hmm. what you want. But um, but yeah, I just love this tattoo. Um, for me, Superman, uh, I I know is I, I I've. I fought with students about, I didn't fight with students, but like a lot of students always try to challenge me on Superman and they're like, what, he's so, you know, he's a blue boy scout and he's boring <laughs> and whatever. And like, to me, it's just, there's so much into the story. Um, there's th- just so much positivity and about like real humanity. And I just think, I just think it's such a powerful character and I mean, literally physically powerful, but also just mm-hmm. spiritually very powerful. And um, uh, so having this is just a reminder to kind of always like find balance and always find humanity and not just fight for no reason. So, yeah. So whenever I see it, I get very excited. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Um, who was the artist who did it? It's a dude named Mike from, uh, I want to say Sweet Tomatoes. It's not Sweet Tomatoes. It's, it's a it's tomato tattoo in Lyle, Illinois. So I was, um, I remember I was teaching out in Lyle, uh, which is about 45 minutes from Chicago, maybe 40 minutes from Chicago. And I was teaching out there at Benedictine University in 2014, and my wife was with me that day. We were driving out, and I was like, you know what? Today is the day. I'm going to mm-hmm. do it. I have I have the money. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go get a tattoo. I've been talking about this for years. Um, my, my in-laws are very big into tattoos, so I felt like it was like this, like, you know, uh, kind of my initiation to the group. Uh, and so I was like, today is the day. And so randomly, I, every day of the school, I just drove by this total, like, not impressive looking facade, you know, it's just a tattoo. So I walked in, met this big intimidating guy, uh, and uh, very scary. And uh, but he was the nicest guy ever. Did it, and I was surprised by how much I loved it. Actually, I love the sensation of it. I loved getting it done. Um, it's on my right arm, so obviously this is not the most painful area. But mm-hmm. um, I just can't wait to get another one. Like oh, cool. I, it's gonna be. I love the feeling. This is. I love it. Oh yeah, me too. And I'm not. I'm not a pain person. I'm not. I don't typically do well pain but i loved this feeling yeah maybe not the shading part but like (laughs) yeah (laughs) well cool well thank you ron very much for joining me today how can people get in touch with you so they can check me out on my website at uh (laughs) http artfulspeaking.com so you can can google it Mm -hmm. artfulspeaking.com you can email me through the website or i'm at twitter at ron ben joseph great well thank you very much Uh, For all of our listeners out there, if you like what you heard, please give us a like, follow us. If you didn't, don't be mean, don't be a troll and say awful things. I will include the links for the uh, studies that I was referencing today in the description so you can read up all about that stuff if you like. And we shall see you next time. 